Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is where we ask you to help. If you can, if you're enjoying what the ladies are doing on Musical, please, 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 please leave them a review. Five-star review, like, subscribe, and tell people about it. No ads, no sponsors. The entire Tortoise Shack relies entirely on listeners' word of mouth. So if you can, spread the word and let people know where to find them. Uh, also, if you do enjoy it, if you like the, what we do on, on Reboot Republic or Glow West or Echo or Built Different, anywhere else on the podcast platform, remember it doesn't happen without support. And the best way you can do that is join us on Patreon. The link is in the podcast you're listening to right now. I won't delay in further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to Mooskult. My name is Neve McRae and today I'm talking with Orla O'Donovan, who's, who is Senior Lecturer at the Department of Applied Social Studies at University College Cork. Orla is part of a collective working on a research project called Living Well with the Dead in Contemporary Ireland. The project aims to develop new ways of thinking about, researching and responding to human remains, especially, especially those that Orla and her colleagues have called the disenfranchised dead. In a wide-ranging discussion, we discussed the genesis of the project and its emergence at a time of deep public disquiet over the discovery of the remains of children at the Chewham Mother and Baby Home. We also chatted about the complicity of universities in the exploitative treatment of human remains. But the episode focuses especially on Orla and her colleagues' research on a collection of wax moulages housed in the storage facilities of UCC's heritage services. Typically regarded as inert teaching resources, Orla offers a radically different conceptualization of their origins and ongoing significance, which draws on new materialist thinking, as well as on the hauntological ethics of Jacques Derrida. Finally, we discuss the value of interdisciplinary working and its potential to unsettle taken-for-granted disciplinary norms. Okay, hi Orla and welcome to Mooskult and thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us. Um, we're delighted to have you on because it's, it's such a fascinating project that you're, going to, that, that you're involved in. Um, so you're involved in a, a cross-disciplinary project which has the tantalising title Living Well with the Dead in Contemporary Ireland. Uh, the aim of which is to develop new ways of thinking about, researching and responding to what you and your colleagues have variously called the uncared for dead bodies, the disenfranchised dead or bodies that don't matter. So maybe we could just start, if you could just tell us a little bit about this project. How did it come about and what does it hope to achieve? OK, certainly. Um, well, thanks very much for inviting me um, to talk about um, our research on this great new um, podcast series um, the Living Well with the Dead project has its origins in um, a number of workshops that we had in UCC um, about matters that really haven't received, I think, sufficient attention in the in the social sciences, and certainly in my experience um, of, of the social sciences, questions about the body, um, embodiment. Um, borders, boundaries, um, corporality. So we had one uh, event with the um, political scientist, Anne Phillips, a number of years ago oh, wow. about uh, her work on possessive individualism and this enduring notion that the body is something that we own, that it's property, where we tend to think and talk about the, the body in property terms. You know, mm -hmm. so we talk about my body. And mm -hmm. um, in particular, she's done some work on um, the, the how 
so many controversies from surrogacy mm-hmm. um, to to abortion to um, the trade in organs that the, there are, there's recourse to notions of it's my body and um, I, I'll do what, what I want with it. So we had the, we had one event on that, and the the idea was to to bring people from different disciplines in UCC together to think and talk about how we um, how we how we talk about the body. Like in some fields, the the, the body is very central, and corporality is central. Mm. So in um, theatre studies, for example, our colleagues in 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 theatre studies think about the body all the time. Whereas um, in the School of Applied Social Studies, where I'm based, um, le- less so. Um, so the the event with with Anne Phillips about possessive individualism was was followed then by another event we had with uh, Margaret Childrick, with the the feminist philosopher Margaret Childrick, and Margaret talked about the work she was doing on. Um, heart transplantation and one of the central themes in her in her work on heart transplantation was the uh, the gap between the biomedical imaginary of um, heart transplantation as an exercise in spare part medicine you know where mm-hmm. you take an organ um, that has now become spare because of the the death of the person who's uh, who's who's the donor um, and that it's just you know it's you know that the 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 gap between that biomedical understanding um, of organ transplantation, heart transplantation, and people's experiential accounts. Mm. Um, mm. She was yeah. involved in a collaborative project that traced the where many people who had received an organ didn't experience. It wasn't. Um, it it wasn't as it was represented in in mm. in, in in medicine. So that um, that conversation that we had with Margaret um, a number of years ago now, I think it was in twenty eighteen, where we were talking about um, remains, um, organs, um, death, and the dead body. We, we were we were having that conversation, hearing about her research at a time when there was huge public disquiet and dismay over the revelations from Tume, from the mother and baby home mm-hmm. in Tume, um, and about the careless disposal of the the remains of the infants. Um, so this was this was something that was very much to the fore of public discussion at the at the time. And I think remains so to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it, it, when we were talking with Margaret about her work, it, it was it was almost impossible not to think about um, the um, how the remains um, how how the remains of the infants in in tomb had been perceived by the people who disposed of them uh, mm. carelessly. But also um, the the their the surviving relatives, the, the the mothers of these infants and and others, um, and also at that time, um, this, it was when the the commission of investigation into the mother and baby homes had 
had been formed and it was, you know, it was um, its work was underway. And there was discussion about the um, how part of the remit of the, the commission was to look at uh, the transfer of remains from mother and baby homes to um, the various medical schools um, and or to the, the various universities, the, the universities and the, the medical schools within the, the various universities. Um, this was part of the remit. So there, there was, you know, so we were very much conscious of how the institution where we were based, where we were working, was um, implicated in this uh, systematic uh, abuse um, and carelessness um, uh, and careless treatment of the, the remains of um, people who were confined, people who were um, disenfranchised in so many uh, appalling ways. So it, the, the Living Well with the Dead project really grew out of um, those, to, those discussions and reflection on how those discussions, you know, the rel- how those those discussions had an immediate relevance to mm. um, really troubling matters of concern um, at the time. Um, so the, ter- the, fr- the, the, the title of the project that we're using, Living Well with the Dead, is um, a gesture towards a phrase that is in... in the work of Jacques Derrida, where he talks about um, our um, the, the the ethical challenge of living with um, of, of learning to live with ghosts, mm-hmm. um, because for him the the understanding of justice that informed his work was one that collapsed the kind of conventional distinctions between the past, present and future, mm. and also mm. the, the conventional distinction that's drawn between um, being dead and alive or um, the, the living and the dead. Um, so his work is one that, in, in his work, he talks about the, the persistence of the past in the, mm. in the present. So his work has been taken up by many people now and developed into what's referred to as a, a hauntological um, mm. uh, ethics. And this is something that Margaret Schildrick really brought um, to us in, in her work and in her contribution to the, the project, um, Living Living Well with the Dead. So it's, um, so it is where now in some ways we've been, we've actually been revisiting the title Living Well with the Dead in, in, in recent weeks where we've been thinking about the, you know, possibly bracketing the well, um, living, um, with the dead because increasingly we've come to recognize the impossibility of living well with some dead. Um, uh-huh. because okay. what a hauntological ethics does, where, where it departs from maybe some of the um, more conventional um, and um, legalistic responses to atrocities like what happened in, in the mother and baby homes that see some sort of possibility of reconciliation or some sort of possibility of closure that mm-hmm. what a hauntological ethics brings is uh, well, it, it it's its starting point is that there is no closure. Uh-huh. Um, okay. That okay. these are um, you, you know that the reconciliation is in, is is impossible 
atonement closure. So it's the ongoingness of the um it's it's where we the living have to live with the ongoingness um of these uh, of these troubles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting. Um uh, and you've just given a really nice account of of some of its initial ideas and 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 the basis of it. Um maybe we might move to I suppose where the project seemed to go first and it, and if I've understood correctly from reading your work it seems to have emerged unexpectedly. Um so you, you and your colleagues discovered a collection of wax moulages in the storage facilities of UCC's Heritage Services, um, a collection which you've described consisted of, and this is a quote, 150 moulages of diseased and dis- disassembled faces, hands, genitals, feet, breasts, backs, legs and arms. Um, so maybe uh, before we unpack the significance of these moulages for what you've just been describing there in terms of the overall, you know, remit and, and, and aspirations of the project, can you tell us exactly what, what these moulages are? Um, you know, what was their, what, what are they and what was their, prov- what is their provenance and how do they come to be in UCC? Okay. Maybe before I try to do that, I'll tell you a little bit more about um, how we came to find them or yeah, uh, what yeah, we were searching yeah. for. That would when, be, when, it sounds like a very interesting encounter. When, when we found them. Oh, it certainly was and continues to be. Absolutely. So we, um, we got funding for a year from the Welcome, um, from, from Welcome and the during that, the, 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 and that was during 2019. And the, the main work of that year, the main focus of that project was on, um, trying to build some sort of transdisciplinary team. Um, because what we, what had become very, uh, clear, um, and what anyone working in a university will know is that, um, within the people in very in different disciplines often have difficulty even communicating with each other and that within individual disciplines you tend you're we tend we're we're schooled in noticing certain things and not noticing other things you're schooled in um different things matter in 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 different disciplines um so how people approach matters of concern can vary really, really, um, really considerably. So during that year, our primary focus was on trying to bring people together to talk about um, human remains and uh, to try and develop some sort of shared language. Mm. Um, But also because we were um, conscious of this um troubling history of, of of universities and how the the universities had been in receipt of uh, remains from mother and baby homes we also decided to do some very very preliminary work um some pre- preliminary archival work on um how on the how the institution and um, we 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 chose the our own the the university yeah. we were based in so we mm-hmm. we, tr- we, cho- we you know we worked with UCC as our our study site was 
trying to trace the history of the universities, how how the university, the institutional imagination of of human mm. remains. Um, so we wanted to do that both uh, historically, but also in contemporary uh, times. So um, as part of that, we did some, again, very, very preliminary work where we um, met with um, and had uh, interviews with the um, well, some of the our, our colleagues who are most directly involved in working with uh, human remains um, the uh, technicians who run the anatomy lab in in, in the medical school yeah. um, and they were all like when I when I mentioned earlier about you know different disciplines having mm-hmm. you know op- occupying very different worlds uh, some of our colleagues work with human remains all the time this yeah. is this is yeah. their normal um day-to-day work both in the anatomy um, in the School of Medicine, but also in archaeology. Um, mm. So um, so as part of the project, one of the things we, we literally went from the different, you know, this was pre-COVID, but where we were able to go to each other's departments and mm. Mm. Um, get an insight into the kind of normal uh, workings of, of different departments. So, so on one occasion, we went to the anatomy lab. Um, and I remember during that time, um, one of the, um, the, the anatomy technicians passed around a plastinated heart, a plastinated wow. human heart. And for some of us, this was quite an incredible encounter. I remember my own heart beating (laughs) as I held, you know, a plastinated heart. Um, On another occasion, we went to the the Human Remains Lab in archaeology where um, a a bone fragment was was passed around and where um, our colleague in archaeology talked about how uh, how they tried to read and interpret, and you know how they mm-hmm. how they uh, how they relate to bones in in archaeology. Actually, in the same building as archaeology is where um, drama and theatre studies. Uh-huh, so then, our, yeah. the same day, our our colleague um, brought us to the 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 lab in 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 the in the school of um, in in drama and theatre studies where she was getting us to think about our own bones and to move. And so whereas where I work, where, you know, it's lecture theatres and seating, yeah, they've got yeah, this open yeah. room and where we yeah. had to move and, uh, you know, which wouldn't be part of our normal work at all. Yeah, and can be very so, challenging so, as well when you're invited to do that when you're not used to it, you know, if you're li- used to living in your head and, you know. Ab- absolutely. Like in, in the social sciences, we, you know, we talk about the Cartesian split and, you know, this ridiculous yeah, yeah, yeah. division between <laughs> body and mind. But that's precisely, we operate in a very Cartesian yeah. way, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, the so part of the project uh, involved um, uh, uh, that kind of work, and also we were fortunate, and um, because we had funding, we were able to bring scholars um, from um, from from other institutions, from other countries, to come and talk about um, how uh, about how they understand um, human remains. Um, but it was the it was in the archival work that we started going back through the um, 
the 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 archives from when from when UCC was first established from when it was Queen's College Cork mm. um a lot of the archival material has been digitized so it's mm-hmm. you know um and we had we had support of the well some of it has some of it has but we had great support from the from our colleagues in the in the archives um and where we were looking at um any references to remains um to uh, dissection um so we were able to and this is you know this has been documented by others but you know we were able to see how um there in the early days of the university it was um the remains came from the workhouse uh-huh. um okay. to the uh, to the um to the, the medical school there's records of public disquiet of protests mm-hmm. at the at the gates of the university so where there was um yeah public disquiet about the anatomization of remains of course this is all pre any notions of consent you know yeah, where yeah. the bodies of the poor were yeah exactly yeah they you know were were up for grabs um um, in one of the papers we've written about this, we make reference to the work of Sarah Ahmed, um, mm-hmm. where she talks about the the Anatomy Act and where you know the thinking was that this was you know this was where you know what were perceived to be useless people could finally mm-hmm. be made productive and useful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So um, you know, so we were aware of the you know the and there's archival evidence of the use of what we call the disenfranchised dead in the in the history of the institution but we um, there was also plenty of evidence of the um the colonial nature of the the university in its in its early days um so we came across references to a um the gifting of a an a, an inca skull oh um, my god to the to the university that actually had been put in the natural history museum so it was it was classified as animal remains not so, even human yeah you know so it's a yeah, yeah a reminder yeah. of how mm. you know mm. um the category human is one that mm. um is by no means stable but we so we started thinking well where where is this inca skull what what became of this um mm. um because also we knew from the uh, from the archives that museums had been a real feature of the the university in its early times. So they now in some universities these um, museums have been retained, but in in UCC they're pretty much gone. But they're mm-hmm. you know so whereas now we turn to you know online uh, you know online journals or the internet you know that that um, museums of various forms were really important part of the infrastructure of the the, the university in the 19th century. Um, so we went in search of this Inca skull and um, and haven't found it. Um, we don't really know what became of it. Um, but it was, uh, it was when we went searching for the Inca skull that um, we, I had uh, a meeting with um, a colleague who works in the heritage services and I was asked here if there were any human remains um, in in storage. The university has um, it, it it has a warehouse where it it, it it stores a lot of 
what are now regarded as, you know, it's kind of useless objects, mm. things mm. from the past that are deemed to be obsolete. Um, it's not clear why some things are disposed of and others mm. are put in storage. Um, but um, the, the the colleague in um, the Heritage Services said no, you know, that... Um, she wasn't aware of any human human remains um, in the form of skulls or, yeah. you know, apart yeah. from what's in the, um, well, sorry, in, in their collection, like in the anatomy school, there are, there yeah. still are, yeah. like in the anatomy school, there are what, what are called wet specimens. Um, there are um, some that are very old and um, some that predate even the establishment of the, the university. Um, and in the archaeology department, there there are human remains, but in the storage facilities of the heritage services, mm-hmm. there there weren't. Um, but she said we have this collection of um, moulages and mentioned them to me, and um, so I asked if we could go and see them. Um, mm-hmm. So to Roisin Roisin O'Gorman, I went to see them, and really they became. They, they 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 have become they're not the entire focus of the living well with dead research but they have become um they they are um they are compelling they yes, are they are yes, compelling yes. entities and mm-hmm. um we have been um since since that day since that encounter with them we have been um yeah, we've been working with them since then. We did, like we had the, when I say the, they're not the only, that's not the only, like we're, the, there's other material in the archives that we've been looking at. Like we have been looking at the, there's in contrast to the, um, the like in UCC, UCC is different to the other universities in that even though it had a medical school, there, um, well, the Commission of Investigation into the Mother and Baby Homes found no uh, evidence. Now, this is the question, what constitutes evidence? But what mm, they regard yeah. as evidence, they found no evidence of the transfer of remains to UCC, unlike the all of the other medical okay. schools. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So this is one thing, this archival absence is something we've been, work, you know, thinking about mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. is also central to our research. But in contrast to the um, mother and baby homes where there's no evidence and in Cork there is, you know, the remains of hundreds of infants are missing to this day. Um, but they're in, in contrast to any records of transfer of remains from mother and baby homes, there's extensive documentation of the transfer of remains from the asylums. Um, okay. um, so we, we have been doing some, some work with, with those records too. Okay. Okay. So it was in that context when you, where you were, I suppose, investigating what was in the institution that you came upon these, or, or your colleague alerted you to the existence of these, of these moulages, which became so, as you say, compelling. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, well, first, maybe what, because people won't know, like, until I read your work, I didn't know what a moulage was and wax moulage was. So maybe even tell us what that is and then tell us maybe about their significance. Sure. Well, I have never heard of a wax moulage yeah. either. Yeah. Um, so the the conventional understanding okay. of, of a wax moulage is 
that they're a teaching resource, that they're um, a, a, a that they're a tool uh, for um, teaching medical students. Um, they are, in terms of their materiality, they are uh, they're they're made from wax and resin and paint, but mm-hmm. um, also. Um, in the process of making them, they can also contain bits of skin and hair, and mm-hmm. so there. Uh, maybe I'll come back to that. That yeah, they, you yeah. Know, because uh, for 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 me, they've certainly disturbed the, the 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 clear category. You know, or the boundaries of what constitutes a, you know human remains. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were used. Um, so they wax melages were used before colour photography was widely available. Okay. And they were used to uh, teach students um, to recognise, to diagnose um, different conditions. They were used widely and I think were very much part of the establishment of dermatology as a specialist field within medicine. Um, so they were, the, the, the process of making a moulage um Involved uh, where so moulages are made of they're they're made from casts of diseased body parts. So as you mentioned, there are hands, there are faces, there are genitals. You know that there are different body parts make up the the the, the collection of um, wax moulages in in UCC. So the the process of making them is where the uh, a mouleur, um, so also the, they're also on the boundaries between science and art because yeah, you know yeah, mouleurs are, yeah. are um, and the 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 mouleur who who made the collection of cork you know, was it was an artist and um, okay. but it involved the process of making a moulage involves uh, making a plaster cast of a of a diseased body part um, and. Um, then using the cast, you know, filling that with wax and then uh, painting it um, in some, there's different kind of traditions of moulage making. Some, they put hair on them, others not. Um, so they're, um, yeah, they're, they're very lifelike um, okay. entities. Um, but they but were is, used... Is it only, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, is it only... So it's only parts, though. They don't. So if you have a, a lesion on your arm or something, they just take that part, isn't it? It's yes. Not, it's not like the whole body, shall we say? No, no, no. Yeah. And this, okay. so they are kind of disassembled um, yes, yes, body parts, yes. yeah. which um, yeah makes them troubling in 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 other ways. Mm. Um, mm. Um, and I suppose, like what we've been thinking about, are the you know the. The legacies, but also if the teaching too, you know, it is where, um, you know, that joke in medicine, you know, he, you know, the doctor was very holistic. He, he you know, thought my, about my whole hand, <laughs> 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 you know, but um, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Um, yeah. so they are they are made of um, of body parts, but they were um, but the process of making them mm-hmm. um in in all likelihood, or in many instances, would have been very painful, because they were used. Uh, and in the in the UCC collection, they 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 they're they're 
the the people whose bodies were used to cast the moulages had various um, conditions, but the condition um, that is represented most frequently in in the moulages uh, is syphilis. Okay. Um, so, you know, many of these people had open sores, open wounds. Mm. Um, so the, the casting process um, would have been um, would have been painful. Some of them, you know, where their faces, we know just from um, researching the process of making these, it's, you know, where even to breathe, you would have straws up your oh. nose. Or okay. Some of them are yeah. tongues and... Um, mm. so the um, yeah, it, it it would not have been a, it would a pleasant, very unpleasant experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. So the 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 collection that's in UCC were all made by, uh, in Paris um, in the kind of late eighteen hundreds. Um, they were all made by um, a famous and internationally celebrated Muller Jules Beretta. Um, so we know where they were made, um, and in fact, they're in. They were made in, in the the Saint Louis Hospital in Paris, where there continues to be, like in. Um, I mentioned how the the museums, the medical museums in UCC, mm-hmm. are now gone, mm-hmm. um, but the 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 museum, the display of um, the 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 Moulage Museum from the eighteen hundreds, um, where. Jules Beretta worked remains open in Paris. So, okay. mm-hmm. um, so we know they came from there because they're all signed by him, and they're there. Mm-hmm. It's where they would make recasts. You know, they would use the same molds over and over again. But the who, you know, who and how, um, they came to UCC, we don't know. With the the, okay. the archives are are silent on that. Okay. And of course, um. We we know we know something about Jules Beretta. We know a lot about the uh, the famous dermatologists, um, who you know who got who for whom Beretta was working, but we know very little about the people whose bodies were cast. Of this course. is the erasure that comes yeah. with the moulages. Oh, it's absolutely fascinating, Orla. Um, so um, you mentioned there um, that that issue of erasure, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So we don't know, as you said, about the specific women or well, men as well. But, but I think I think the majority are women, is, if if I'm if I've understood you correctly, when, or was it comes to syphilis anyway? Was it? No, the, there are um, there there are um, both men and women okay, were yeah. were cast, um, mm. but one. Um, significant um difference is that at the time when they were they were made there was this um public health regime yeah. that yeah. um that really uh, held women responsible for the 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 uh, for the spread of syphilis um so in it, it's likely that, uh, although again, you see, we don't know because we, we we are dealing with archival absences, but we know from many other collections of moulages um, internationally that in many instances, moulages of, uh, that were made using uh, the bodies of women with syphilis, uh, these women were incarcerated um, because there was this policy of 
um, blaming and incarcerating women, not mm-hmm. men. Okay. Yeah. Um, so um, maybe then, if we move on, like in 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 your recent paper in the journal Science, Technology, and Human Values, um, and I think you've just referred to it there. You know, you know some of the more recent erasures surrounding the women from whose bodies the wax moulages were made. So you note, for example, that a 2008 article published in the prestigious medical journal Nature that discusses the Moulage Museum in, in Zurich, so one of those the museums there that you mentioned, does not raise the exploitative conditions of the Moulage's production as a matter of any concern, and it doesn't problematize the fact that these people were more likely to be poor and were unlikely to have access to the institutions of learning where the Moulages are being used as well. So maybe if you could elaborate a bit further, I know you've, you've touched on it there, Orla, but could you tell us a little bit more about these sorts of erasures and, and how they're relevant to the overall concerns of your of your research project? Okay. Um, okay. Um, certainly. So, so, so maybe I'll start with the the the, the museum in 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 Zurich. Um, yeah, you travelled so, there, didn't you? Yes. Yes. yes yeah, I, yeah. I visited um, the museum in in Zurich, where uh, it's part of the the University of Zurich, okay, where yeah. they have. Um, reopened their museum of of, of moulages, um, and there they it's now used uh, again. Moulages are used in in medical education. There, there's a, there's a um, some dispute amongst uh, in the moulage world, and you know where <laughs> some some people see. Uh, in in so the Paris Museum, they they really see them as um, um, historical artifacts yeah. now, yeah. not really yeah. used in in medical education. Whereas in Zurich, they see them as having an ongoing. Um, so 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 contemporary students in Zurich would actually engage with the movement. Yes, oh, yes, okay. yes. Yeah. So they continue yeah. to be used as a as a pedagogical Teaching tool, tool yeah. Um, yeah. in Zurich. But what was quite astounding. Um, um when when I visited that museum was just the casual way in which um references were made to the the circumstances in which the moulages were made. So in, in particular that, you know, such and such a person, you know, detained because she had syphilis. Mm-hmm. Um and no more. Um also, there the uh, there were instances of where so where you know what would now be regarded as completely unethical practices, mm-hmm. um, such as so moulages were used as teaching tools, but in some instances they were they were also used um, as uh, in in the research process, um, they were also used to. Um, show the effectiveness to claim authority for different sorts of treatments. So there would be some kind of before and after. Um, but in, in, in the Zurich Museum, there, there are moulages, uh, you know, and where there's reference to the deliberate infection of a young woman who had been, uh, who was confined um, because she had syphilis, but where she would be deliberately infected with something and then where they would try to, to treat it. There's uh, another moulage that where the the doctor had 
scratched his initials onto the back of a patient and then taken the moulage. Um, so, but it's just the casual way. Now, those stories are told, and this is one of the things we've been really interested in. In in addition to the the archival absences, how you know, you know where some some things are recorded and some things are not. But we're we're also really interested in the kind of stories that get told yeah. um, about and with the the moulages. So in 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 many instances, the the moulages are used to tell the story of the history of medical progress, um, mm-hmm. and of course. The, this is, you know, this this is true, you know. So syphilis, um, you know, since the nineteen, the mid nineteen forties, now with the widespread availability of, you know, with with penicillin and antibiotics, yeah. Yeah. many of us uh, no longer have to worry about dying from syphilis. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's no longer um, a, a, a fatal um, disease in the way that it was previously. So. Um, we, you know, we've certainly many of us have have benefited um, from the 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 use of um, these bodies, the exploitation yeah. and 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 yeah. abuse of these bodies. But the uh, so often the story, the like uh, the often what goes with the display of moulages are stories of medical progress. Um, um, including in some of the, um, you know, in, in we make reference to a nature, uh, mm. um, uh, an article in article. in Nature magazine, and it is they they are kind of celebratory accounts mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Um, medical progress, but we're also interested in what what stories are told, but and also what stories aren't told. So it's just the erasure. It's just this kind of casual. Um, erasure of the the bodies that are used um, that are casted, but also the um, just where the abuse of circumstances and abuse of ways in which these bodies that the, these people uh, were were used um, isn't worthy of comment. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I should have said that like the so the, they're very but. Ever before that, even the moulage, yeah, maybe we'll come to that because the, the moulages in themselves are very unsettling entities. Yeah. So how did you react when you and Roshin, as you said, went into the, how did you feel or how did, you know, how did you react when you first saw them, basically? Uh, oh, um They are very, they are, they are deeply unsettling, mm. deeply unsettling. Yeah, I felt deeply unsettled. Um, mm. uh, they have a, a very, there's a very strong kind of, even effective and embodied. So again, you know, when mm. it was yeah, yeah. it was similar to when the the plastinated human heart was passed yeah. around. You know, yeah. so it's it's um, they certainly caused um you know a, quite a, a considerable a very unsettling kind of a, yeah, response yeah. but i remember like a, 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 it felt like a, an encounter with the the dead or the people of paris from the mm. 1870s or 1880s mm. um 
So they are, they, they are very uncanny um, entities. Um, and they, they became even more so. The more we learnt about the process of making them, um, and so they're, they're, they're different from, say, a standard wax model. Like yes, the, yeah, in, like we would think of like Madame Tussauds or, you know what I mean? Those, that's not what we're talking about. It's something no. very different. Yeah. Well, they're similar. Which are the, creepy. They're creepy <laughs> by themselves anyway. But this is, this is different, yeah. isn't it? Well, th- maybe like Madame Tussauds in that they're, they're made of wax. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they do share that, but they're, they're different. Like in the, in the, in the in the medical school in UCC now, and they're part of the historical collection. There are these uh, in the in the kind of public areas and the corridors. There are these wax models, um, um, but the now they they can be troubling in their own way. But because they're the idea, you know, it's often it's the the kind of standard body or yes, the normal yes, yes. body. Yes, and, yes, yes. Um, but in some ways, they're a kind of fantasy of normality. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Whereas the, the moulages, because they're cast using the bodies of actual people, yeah, you get yeah. all of the, the, the kind of uniqueness of yeah. um the, the kind of of you know of the kind of corporal uniqueness that we that we that we all have. Um but but they do, as I say, that when we learnt more about the process of making them, that they they you know that they may contain traces. Um mm of of remains but also the you know that they probably contain traces of the mouleur who made them yeah. um this is where we've started to see them not so much as these inert stable yeah. entities but as these um um always in the making um Things that are, you know, at the boundaries of, um, you know, human remains. Yeah. Um, well, that 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 maybe brings us on to, maybe we'll develop how you've tried to understand them, which because it obviously contrasts with what you're saying around how they were just seen as a teaching tool or as a sign of medical progress or whatever. So, so you've offered a radically different understanding in your of the meaning and significance of these moulages in in your writing, and. Your core argument, I think, is that the moulage should not be viewed, as you've just said there, as inert matter, as mere artifacts of a bygone age. But they are what you've used. This, you've used this term, um, agential assemblages, um, enta- entangled in which, as you've just said, are human remains. And therefore, you make the arresting claim that they can be included amongst the dead. So maybe if we just draw out that a little bit more, if that's okay with your order, is like, what does it, if you could maybe say a little bit more about what it means to say that the moulages have agency um, and can be seen amongst the dead. So, so maybe what are some of the implications of that, of that claim? Okay. Um, I, I should say that we, um, that, yeah, that, 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 that the, in, in that paper, I did talk about them as a, uh, Agential assemblages. We have been using trying to think of other terms. It, it really because they are uncanny. Um, it, it is where the 
a kind of normal language fails us. So we yeah, are, you yeah, know, yeah. It, this is, it is about a search to try and understand. How can and I best... think that comes across in the writing, a little, you know, it, that this really is a sort of an emergent or a, what's the word, an, an ongoing kind of, as you say, a search for frameworks, for interpretations, for ethical, the appropriate ethical responses. So I think that kind of, it's just so different from reading a lot of academic research where it's like, okay, that's it. That's, you know what I mean? Closure, you know? So that does come across, I think, you know? Okay, good. (laughs) Because it is, I I feel we're, you know, a few years on, we're still grappling with what's what's even the most appropriate way to talk about these. Um, I think certainly we didn't have any problem um, and when I say we, you know, a lot of this work also it, it has, you know, the, a lot of this work, um, well, all of this work has been collaborative. So mm. it's really emerging out of conversations yeah. um, with with others. Um, but the idea of resources was one. So the language of resources was always troubling. Mm. Um, and even thinking of human remains as resources is is is, is troubling. Um, because, um, like we, we know this from, um, you know, the once we start to think in the, we, you know, that we're thinking then in terms of, um, something that can be used, something that can be exploited, something that can be commodified, that when we start thinking about something as a resource where it, it's, it's not, we're, it's, with the the word resource comes a very different relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and it is uh, like, I, re- I remember, um, and maybe this is um, going back a little bit, but where going back to the, um, the organ retention controversy um, and uh, the, again, uh, this is the organ retention scandal in Ireland was in the 1990s, but we still officially in terms of policy haven't yet. Um, uh, I think in terms of, you know, human tissue legislation, the governing this um, is, is, is still really inadequate. But at that time, and that predated the, um, the coming to the fore of the, you know, the controversy over the, the mother and baby homes and the remains there. But I remember there was an issue, you know, one of the issues that arose there was, well, you know, with the organ retention scandal, what about all of these, you know, so-called wet specimens, etc., in in medical schools? And what, mm. you know, what, what should be done mm. with those? And in one of the official responses to that, it was, well, you know, so long as they, that they should be retained. Well, if if there was uh, where, um, like, that so long as they could be used as teaching resources, that could justify mm-hmm. retaining them, even though the circumstances, you know, even though the kind of requirements of consent, etc., weren't mm-hmm. uh, weren't mm-hmm. involved, um, and. Um, so the, the language of resources was something, you know, that, yeah. that, 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 that troubled us. With the agentialists, so the assemblage bit is, as I say, it's where, okay, they're made of, um, uh, you know, in terms of their materiality, there's the, the, the wax, the paint, the resin, um, but also because of the process of making them, that they, they mm. do uh, or they can have, um, you know, 
traces of the bodies mm-hmm. of the the people whose whose bodies were 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 cast but also as i mentioned earlier you know the people who've handled them since mm. um and also we we saw them not some not only as um impressions of the bodies of the mm-hmm. the people who 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 were used but also like impressed upon them as the are me- the medical regimes within which they yeah. were they were produced yeah. um so this is where we get into the idea that you, you know you can't really separate the materiality um or you know sometimes what we call you know they might be regarded as parts of material culture of 19th yeah. century medicine yeah. that you can't really separate the material culture from the culture culture, you know, they, you know, they, so <laughs> <Yeah>. they, <laughs> that the, the, and it is where, you know, the kind of nature culture, you know, where the, the, the idea between um, nature and culture becomes, yeah. you know, they're, they're completely uh, entangled with, with yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, mm. um so they and and they are ongoing, you know. So that if if you think of them again, even in terms of the materiality, like where they're out in storage in UCC, so the you know, so they're changing. Some of them have dust from having been left on windows, it possibly cold, you know. So that they're they're not fixed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, as I mentioned, like they they are um, they are compelling. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of their their agency, they they're not just a thing, you know they're it's um, they do something to you. Okay. Okay. Um, now, why they do that, and even trying to understand that, you know, why this is something we like. So why are they uh, why are they troubling, and do they remain troubling? So if you see them every day, if they're you know, if 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 I'm working in a moulage museum and I'm passing them every, day, you know, exactly, do they, yeah. You know, do they do they become less troubling? Is that what you mean, or is it? Or, yeah, or do yeah. they do something different? Yeah, or, yeah, um, yeah. In that context, yeah, yeah. Um, now, so our work has been. I mentioned the the ontological ethics, um, but our our work has also been. Um, informed by um uh well what's called new materialism although mm-hmm. uh, many of the people whose work we've been drawing from were were always materialists you know that this 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 idea that you can draw a clear distinction between the material and the non-material this mm-hmm. is something that many of the people who've been informing our work um never subscribed to mm-hmm. um but um so that, yeah, so we have been thinking of them as um, uh, agential assemblages. We've been talking about them as traces. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. We've been, yeah, we're, but we, 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 we grapple with, uh, with, yeah. with language because they, in, in, in lots of ways, they defy, and this is why they're unsettling as well. Not only yeah. are they unsettling because you have this, you know, they... Um, it's it's almost it's it's difficult not to think of the the circumstances in which they were mm. made or the violence involved in their yeah. production and original display um but they are they're 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 
they're troubling in terms of like what are the you know they are these kind of liminal um yeah the the, it's like all the usual categories we work with are undone including you know the living and the dead the past and the present yeah but that probably brings us then because you've touched on uh new materialisms maybe if we if we chat briefly a little bit about the theoretical you know, um, lineages you're drawing on, um, and to situate your work a bit more theoretically. Um, so you've been significantly influenced by the work of Donna Haraway, um, who I think has been a, a very large influence on the field of new materialisms that you've mentioned. So maybe if you can tell our listeners who, who wouldn't be familiar with their work, something about her, about her life and work and, and how her ideas have gained currency now, especially during an era, an era of catastrophic changes to the climate as well. Sure. Um, well, first of all, I'd say uh, any any of your listeners who are who are not familiar with Donna Haraway's work but who are maybe interested, um, mm-hmm. I would strongly recommend watching a film um, called Donna Haraway: uh, Storytelling for Earthly Survival. Um, and this was a film that we um, we screened as part of the the living well with the dead project and um, that we screened and and discussed um so it's a, it's a wonderful a wonderful um way if uh, of getting a, a feel for uh, for Don, for Donna Haraway's work it's a whole series of interviews with her um her uh, so Donna Haraway um has been um She's retired now and she worked in the university. She taught in the University of California in Santa Cruz for, I think, over 30 years. And she's um, her in a way. Well, you know, when we're talking about categories, she's very difficult to categorize as as an academic as well. You know, Um, she really on disciplines, the disciplines, the academic disciplines, because Mm -hmm. she's somebody who started out, uh, her initial training was as a, as a biologist, as a primatologist. Um, but she has become a a major feminist philosopher, major influence in science technology studies. Um, yeah, somebody whose work is, as you mentioned, really influential, now in terms of understanding the Anthropocene or the mm-hmm. Capitalocene is the term um, she prefers to use. Um, so she's um, she's somebody who has always um, emphasized the, uh, going back to this question of materiality, that yeah. the, the entanglement of uh, the, the material and the non-material um she's somebody also who has really um so she's a i suppose you could say she's a critic of kind of modernist understandings yeah. of science and knowledge um she's somebody and and the the kind of language that has come with that so she's somebody who puts these words together so she talks about nature cultures you know rather than seeing the kind of the natural world there and then the kind of the world of culture is separate that these are always entangled um she's somebody who again has been has made a major contribution to 
challenging modernist understandings of science and knowledge. She wrote this um, absolutely stunning essay in the in the 1980s around situated knowledge. Um, she isn't the easiest to read, um, mm-hmm. but um, she's one of the. Um, one of the things that uh, if you if you work through some of her some of her work if you know if if you don't have a background in um you know the the history of science or yeah. philosophy of science but one of the one one thing that does make her work appealing is uh, she is extremely humorous yeah um, that's always nice yeah. so there's there's great humor you know so she's you know so she talks about in situated knowledge the essay you know she's she's really critical of the god trick um, you know, the idea of, um, you know, she challenges the idea that, well, she, her argument is that all knowledge comes from somewhere. In a way, it's a very obvious, you know, but mm. but it's uh, against the kind of um, idea of objective science where the, the scientist disappears, the, you know, yeah. the disembodied, knowing, all-knowing scientist mm. disappears. Um, the, a, and a different type of erasure, a kind of vanishing act. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's, um, her, her more recent work um, has, where she, she has been talking about the, uh, the, the capital scene, about the environmental catastrophe of our times, She's been doing really excellent work where she shows the connections between, say, the catastrophe as it was for many of the the pandemic of the COVID nineteen pandemic, the connections between that and climate crisis and the and the capital scene. Um, she has uh, her slogan. One of the slogans that she, um, well, the the slogan that she argues is a really important slogan for our times. At the moment, that she says is um, make kin, not babies. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. So, which has got her in trouble as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so her, so what she talks about kin, she has also written extensively. I when, um, yeah, she when she talks about kin, making kin, she's talking about going beyond, say. The, again, the conventional notion of kin, of family, of this kind of um, biological genetic mm-hmm. connection, yeah. um, but it's it's a form of kin that embraces not just the other, the human other, but also the the non-human other. Uh, so for her, uh, you know, she she has written extensively about uh, human animal relationships. Um, yeah. So, so has her, she been just listening to you there? Like, so has she been influenced by indigenous knowledge systems? I mean, it sounds very aligned with that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah so she's uh, she's absolutely. So she's in in terms she is she has written fabulously about how even indigenous knowledge. So she talks about. Um, I read something recently by her where she was being asked about the you know the difference between. Uh, science with a capital S and then the small s. Um, but where part of the, uh, you know, another kind of split is where indigenous knowledge became culture or yes, religion yes. or, yeah, okay, uh, yeah. you know, and that's separate from reason and from, yeah. um, from, from rational science. So she's somebody who has been talking about the, um, you know, the, the science 
in indigenous knowledge and okay. um, mm-hmm. so absolutely um, she's and she's yeah um, and so then how has how have you brought her work to bear on on um uh i suppose your conceptualization of the moulages um so you've talked for example in some of your work about past presence work for example that the assemblages do that the moulages do so could you maybe elaborate a little bit more about about kind of the links between um her work and and, and that kind of field and how you have conceived of the moulages sure sure so on the on the past presence um uh, and in some ways there's links between this and um the ontological analysis yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. and and um you know some connection there so she talks about um the, the she uses uh, this again it's where a bit like nature culture you know where she combines these words as yeah. a, a way yeah. of refusing some sort of dichotomy um so or you know these kind of binary oppositions she brings them together so the the past presence is um is about you know it it, it is also about the the endurance of the the past in the presence mm-hmm. um she uh, so she you know she she talks about um she uses the phrase around a, you know a thick presence you know a presence you know thick with the past mm-hmm. um she uh, so she's her she has um She's very attuned to our inheritances from the past. Um, mm-hmm. In the in the the film that that I mentioned, um, the where she the the storytelling for earthly survival, she uses the example of um, a Navajo basket, a woven basket, and again her refusal, uh, well, its refusal to be just a, a woven basket. You know, and so she talks about it as a an eruption of the you know the, the story of dispossession of mm. the the Navajo people. So it it's it's persist how it pers- how it, it and this is going back to the question of agency that it persists as a reminder. Yeah, yeah. Of that yeah. that that history of um of of dispossession, um. So um with her so. We in the in the, the the first piece that I wrote on the on the moulages, I s- took the past presence but slightly changed it yeah. because so she talks about the past presence, um, uh, with the spelling so it's the presence but it's where it's where it was where uh, with a different spelling the past presence it's where it's the actual literal presence the material presence. Um, of the moulages, and that's where I think part of the agency, part of the uh, why the moulages are so compelling, is that it they they bring the past, they bring the people whose bodies were cast yeah. into your into actually the in their presence. Yeah. yeah, 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 into their presence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and. In terms of the past presence work that the moulages do, um, that I think you're suggesting has, and again, you you may not have a conclusive answer to this question, um, but that has significance for if and how they should be restaged now in our current uh, 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 time. 
And I think you've critiqued other restagings of moulages internationally. And I know we've touched upon the museum in Zurich and thing. Um, do you think they should be restaged? And if so, might things be done differently than they might have been done in other in other contexts? Or, or have you <laughs> have you a settled view on that? <laughs> Well, you're absolutely right, Neil, that I do not have, this is, <laughs> <laughs> I've not reached a conclusion on this at all. Um, mm. And this is something that um, uh, with with others continues to, to, to trouble us. Um, mm. uh, I should say that um, we're, well, we now, I'm, I'm part of a group, we call ourselves the Living Well with the Dead Research Collective, Mm-hmm. Um, so this this question of should or should not, you know, this this idea of a possible restaging um, remains an open question. Now, some people within the, the 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 collective feel absolutely not under no circumstances. Others mm-hmm. think pos- maybe it depends on mm-hmm. you know the how they're restaged. Um, so. Uh, I think collectively we have not reached any sort of agreement yeah. on this. I personally have not reached any yeah. uh, conclusion on it. I um, I think many of the restagings that I've seen um, and I've um, I visited the, the the museum in um, in Zurich, as I mentioned, also in Lisbon. Um, that I found those very troubling, and okay. I cert- okay. and I wouldn't be in favour of a, a restaging like like those. Um, but um, there is the question, though, and this is the one that we're yeah that we we to use the phrase from Donna Harrow, we've to stay with the trouble. We're staying with mm, the trouble mm, of. Mm. Mm. How do we respond to this collection? What do we do? You know, there's mm. this collection in storage, in mm. in storage facilities in UCC, and in fact, we've we've there's actually we've another collection has come to light in UCC that we're going to see. Oh, really? Um, okay. In, in the in the pathology department, also made by Barrett, but another has surfaced. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's it's really figuring out what what do we do like it's um what do we do what do universities do mm. with uh, with collections like these do, do they matter mm. why do they matter um uh, do we have a duty of care to them do we have a duty mm. of care to the people whose bodies was was used mm. um the the bodies of the people who were used you know that these these are the questions we're saying. So, do we? Um, we're. I think there is important historical work to be done in terms of recognizing how the authority of institutions like universities has been built on the bodies of the disenfranchised, yeah. um, but we, you know. It, I think all of us in the research collective want, like, it's important to recognise the histories of abuse and the legacies. So the 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 the, the legacies, how the the inheritances, uh, the mm. contemporary inheritances of those abuses, how they 
they vibrate. This is our other work around the vibrations mm. of these mm. um, uh, these histories, the vibrations of these entities in the in the archive. Um, so how do we respond? How do we mm. care for them? So these are mm. is is restaging. Can we is a, a careful restaging possible? Um, mm. Is can we? Is it possible to restage them in a way that imagines another kind of university, another kind of research? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it possible yeah. to restage them in a way that is, you know, isn't just well, it, it, we're not interested in a kind of a hand wringing exercise, yeah. but that is it learning from them, generating new possible ways of being. These these are the questions where. Yeah. We're uh, yeah. we're we're in the throes of so yeah. we're we're very far from any sort of conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, you took you mentioned there the word vibrations, and I suppose you, you, as you as you discussed at the outset, I suppose one of the most striking features of the project is is its interdisciplinarity, um, and but not just its commitment to working across disciplines, but you've also written about how you're trying to unsettle and spoken there earlier about how you're trying to unsettle norms, even within your own respective disciplines. And so maybe we might just unpack that a little bit further. Um, so you've mentioned obviously your colleague, Roshan O'Gorman and your friend, Roshan O'Gorman, who's in the department of theater, Joan McCarthy, who's a specialist in healthcare ethics in, in the school of uh, nursing and midwifery. And, um, it's notable that you've, that, that the three of you that I've just mentioned there together with two other colleagues, Mary King and Margaret Wery, have published a paper on the wax moulages in the journal Global uh, Performance Studies. And as I said, you've just hinted at it there where you grapple with the ethics of wax moulages in quite a different way. Well, certainly that I would be, most of us in the social sciences, I think, and obviously the medical sciences would be familiar with, um, through, I suppose, the prism of acoustic theory, um, that the art, the name of the article is called Sympathetic Vibrations. And in it, you advocate for a form of deep listening as developed by the composer, uh, Pauline Oliveros, I think is how she, it's pronounced, which quote, here's registers of sonic experience that can't easily be grasped. So what, what's the ethical value of, of approaching the wax moulages through the prism of, of acoustic theory? Um, and how does it challenge conventional medical ethics or indeed other disciplinary norms? So, um, so that paper is really a response to the archival absences or the archival mm. the silences in the in the in the archive that we encountered, um, and it is so the, it's it's the 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 silences. So when we went looking for records of. Uh, the moulages, nothing, we don't know how they came here, etc. And of course, there is the archival silence of where the Commission of Investigations of Mother and Baby Homes says no, 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 no evidence here. Um, we know as well in terms of even the final report, you know, that the, the, the understanding of evidence, of archival evidence that the Commission used was an extremely restricted one. Um, very much bound to a kind of legalistic understanding of, of evidence. So here in, in that piece, in that, in that, um, that paper, which is very much an experimental collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Very much an experimental co collaboration. We were trying to, um, think about how might we research, um, 
archival silences um, or archival absences. And we were like taking, again, I think the way Sarah Ahmed puts it is where it's where what's missing matters. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so how do we, how can we do research where the, you know, where, where the archive doesn't, um, you know, <laughs> where, where the archive doesn't, uh, where of, of people who are unrecorded, or aren't registered, exactly. people who yeah. are yeah. undocumented, people yeah. who are, yeah. you know, who were deemed not worthy of record. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, that's so that 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 article is 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 a response to that um but it is and i must say this is where working with colleagues in in other disciplines has completely um made me aware of the the limitations of my own disciplinary uh training and has made me aware of how i think i mentioned earlier you know that it, that when we're when we're schooled and we we mightn't like to think we are you know but we are but we are schooled to uh you know notice some things not notice other things um some things matter other things you know don't matter or other thing so um the it, it has been um yeah it's like a whole new education for me to work with mm with colleagues in, in other disciplines, uh, particularly those where um, they take our embodiment seriously, you know, where being an embodied, our own embodiment is is an important part of our, our scholarship. Um, so in that particular piece, this was where uh, Mary Mary King, who, who, who you mentioned, Mary um, works in the School of Music, Okay. Um, and Mary is uh, so she's it was she brought acoustic theory to mm-hmm. to our discussions, um, and where she I wasn't I wasn't familiar with this um, phrase uh, sympathetic vibrations at all, um, but it is where it's where she brought that to help us think about. Like one of the things Mary explained to us is, so she's a she's a pianist, and okay. you know, so she was explaining that when she plays the piano and she hits the the key of C, so it the 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 chord inside in the piano that that vibrates because the key is hit, but the other chords also vibrate. They're the, the they vibrate in in, in sympathy. Um, in the in the article, um that we wrote together. It's where she talks about, you know, many musicians have the experience. We've even seen this have where you might have music playing on the television where the lampshade will start vibrating. Yeah. yeah. So it is where there uh, that again it's it's where going back to the kind of new materialist understanding that that uh, in people with the kind of sonic understanding of the world understand you know that all all matter has a sonic profile, um, but it it is also what Mary brought uh, and helped us to to uh, to learn is uh, and it's not just think about because it's experiencing. This is back to the you know the the old Cartesian thing. It's not just thinking about; it's actually experiencing it. 
It's to listen. Um, so it, it is the, you know, maybe the archives aren't as silent as we think they are, but we, right. we just don't know how to hear them. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, it is about learning these skills of, you know, of, of deep listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that, um, there's another element of the, another as- section in the same paper um, where you engage in what you call a, a speculative ethical analysis. Um, and that consists of a performance that recreates an imaginary encounter between a woman called Marie Etsy and, and Jules Beretta, who you've mentioned, who was the Muller responsible for, for creating the moulage in the, in the San Luis hospital. Um, so I might just play it. So, um, we hear two different voices, that of a man and of a woman describing the process of creating the moulage. So I'll play it if that's okay, Orla, and then we'll just have a quick chat afterwards about sure. it. Today's patient, Marie Etsy, follows the nurse up the steep winding stair workshop. When she enters the room, she sees a small, white-haired man sitting at a long bench. He wears a large apron with a bib over his day clothes, and he's mixing what looks like clay powder with water. The room is surprisingly warm. And Marie is glad to be there instead of the cold, drafty ward of the hospital. Dr. Lerler had told her that the ulcers on her arm and forehead are very rare and that she was carrying valuable information about her disease around with her. He also said that this information needed to be carefully preserved so that specialists like him, as well as the doctors of tomorrow, needed to be carefully preserved so that specialists like him, as well as the doctors of tomorrow, could learn about it. Marie did not like to disappoint Mr. Lallier because he had been working so hard over the past six months to cure her. Now that she is when here, he asked, she agreed Marie's body shudders involuntarily as she responds to workshop. Mr. Beretta's request now to come to the window there, and to stretch out on what looks like a narrow bed made out of wooden planks. Draping a couple of thin wet towels around her head and, and face, the Muller addresses like her directly. Bed made out of now, wooden Marie, planks. I'm going to take what's called a, a couple of thin of wet face, towels over her head and face. Kind of the Moliere addresses her directly. Now, I'm going to take what dies. is called the mould of your face. Peering over his glasses, kind of he examines the angry red you and crusted sores that blight her forehead and nose. This might sting a little, he says. So... It's not often you hear a piece, well, in our disciplines anyway, that you would have a little performance piece like that embedded in a, in an academic journal. So what, maybe just tell us, tell us what, what were you trying to achieve there through that, through the insertion of that? Um, I think it's a challenge to engage in the kind of deep listening that we're, yeah. we're, we're writing about in yeah. the, in the piece. Um, because there's a number of different things going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's um, okay. So you've the you've the two voices, and um, so it's uh, but also there's other sounds in the background. Yeah. Um, so it 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 is intended as um, as a piece that that 
it demands the the the, the kind of deep listening. Um, but there's a few things going on. There's a few things going on. It's also um, where we're speaking to the idea that it matters what stories are told, um, how they're told, who tells them. Mm-hmm. Um, because as uh, as we were discussing earlier in, in many of the um, restagings of the moulages, the stories that are told are about... Uh, medical um, progress and 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 achievement, with very little attention paid to the experience of the um, of the, the the person whose whose body was cast. Um, so there is there is attention to the 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 stories, the narratives that that, that can accompany uh, wax moulages. Um, but it's all. But it is speculative because we don't know. So, yeah. Like we've um, in the in the telling of that story, there is uh, there there are some fragments. Um, so we know that's Beretta. Um, now we we draw on an account, um, a contemporaneous account, the of the of the process. If is that reliable? We don't know. Um, it's where you know it, he it is portrayed as a very kind of kindly process. You know, there's talk of him you having the a kind of motherly touch. Others have really challenged that and say that many of these moulages, you know, show that there was um, that it would have been a you know a horrendous process, and um, where there would have been you know nothing kindly about the the yeah. process. There's also stories. One of the part of the 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 kind of folklore surrounding um or part of the medical folklore surrounding the moulages is that um well Beretta would now actually he did and the piano has been um restored in uh, the St. Louis hospital but that he would play the piano um, (laughs) while people would have to you know and where their sores you know where their uh, their open sores are cast you know to try and ease the, the the process so there are uh, little references. There's the piano music in the in the background um, uh, to the piece, but it is it is a it it is speculation. So it is how the the exploring the possible the use of kind of speculative methodologies. Um, um, again, Donna Haraway has written a lot about speculative fabulation. So there is there is. Uh, we're 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 drawing on the the, the speculative fabulation, but also, and it it maybe also I don't know if you um, noticed the towards the end there's that whirring uh, mm-hmm. sound, um, and that's actually the sound of the fans, the cooling fans in the storage rooms where the moulages are kept, okay. Um, okay. and um, so that's part of you know the the, the kind of sonic the, the kind of soundscape of the of, yes. of where the moulages are um and they always remind me of the different kind of arts of noticing mm-hmm. and how well how i think many of us in the social sciences need to develop a new art i think it's anna singh uses that phrase around the arts of noticing um but the the day we went to see the moulages for the first time, Roisin, um, and you know when she heard that sound, immediately took out her phone and recorded it. Whereas okay. it's something 
I wouldn't, it wouldn't have you know, crossed your mind. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah, not something yeah, I might yeah. look to some text or some, you know, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, you know, or say the labelings or the language, you know, so I might be more attuned to the yeah. significance of discourse where, yeah, you know, yeah. for her, this is something really. So what she would notice is very different to, yeah. to what, you know, yeah. what what I would mm. notice. Mm. Um, but I think it is it is a call the the, the piece is is a call to engage in in deep listening and to um so we we don't have you know so in terms of the the UCC archive tells us you know is is largely silent on the moulages but this is what we might hear if we listen more deeply to it so it but it's very much an experimental piece yeah no no but it's um, it's fa- it comes across but it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating um, i know you've given us or a really rich, I think, uh, account of, of this project. So where, where is it? Cause there's so many, I suppose, possible directions it could go. Where, where do you think it will go next? The, the project, the living well with the dead project or living with the dead project? Where, um, yeah, the, 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 the project has many tentacles. It yeah. continues and we're still feeling our way. So it is very much an ongoing open ended project where we are at. at where, well, maybe I'll just mention two. Um, yeah, yeah. So one, one, um, one direction in which we're going at the moment, and it is about trying to extend the kind of sensibilities, our our own sensibilities, um, is where we're at the moment. We're looking at the um, we're we're trying to find ways of working with um, arts based um, arts practice researchers within UCC, so like Mary and Roisin. So it's, mm-hmm. um, um, but also independent artists outside of the, the university. So um, the, and, and it is about, not, not, it's about some kind of artistic response, trying to imagine some sort of artistic response to the moulages that might also help respond to not just the moulages, but the other, um, the other in the disenfranchised dead who've been yes. used yeah. in the, in the, in the, in the university. So this is one thing. So it is, so it is about how the, how the arts can help us escape from the, you know, the, the very limited kind of, uh, habits of thought and noticing um, that um, the kind of constraints of many of our existing um, disciplines. Um, so this is something that we're one thing we're we're um, focusing on, and the other is really working on these new methodologies. Um, so new math- methodologies are trying so extending this work around say archival absences how do we work mm. with our mm. archival absences mm. um also a, a part of that so new method new research methodologies and but also teaching methodologies because the research has really uh, and again we can think of the agency of the the moulages how how they've really helped us recognize and think about how much research and teaching is extractive um 
and how it is extractive, how it 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 it, it extracts the stories, the bodies, yeah. uses yeah. The, yeah. the the bodies of the uh, of the dispossessed in in ways that um, isn't useful to them. Yes, um, yes, in, yes. in in exploitative ways, not just in the past, but in, in so it really has got us thinking and talking about exploitative um, teaching and and research methodology. So that's that's part of where we're we're working as well. And I mentioned this new collection, well, this additional collection of moulages that we're we're going to see that has appeared, and we will also be working with those. But it is very much and. Uh, it it is. I think where we're it will continue to be this open ended collaborative yeah. work um, that really tries to haul us out of the the, the confines of our, of our own disciplines. So it will yeah. hopefully continue to undiscipline our disciplines and extend our our faculties. Well, I think already, Orla, you've achieved, if one of the goals is to help us even think about things in a new way, see things in a new way, I think you've already achieved achieved that. So thank you so much for, for taking part in the conversation today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Niamh. <laughs>